T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. The young swings and that's a high fly ball. Billikens win! This is Sports Open Line. It's a grand slam. Touchdown, Kansas City. On America's Sports Voice. Yes. KMOX. On a Thursday night, we welcome you into Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauly. Great to have you uh, with us today. So I gotta t- I'm got to. i just going to tell you right out of the bat, sports producer extraordinaire Matt Pajeski is trying to get us to do uh, more StreamYard stuff here on Sports Open Line. So we are streaming right now. I was unaware of that. I'm having a horrible hair day all the way around. You don't want to see it. I'm streaming at the moment. I'm looking at myself. It's not good. My hair looks horrible. There's a lot going on here at the moment, uh, but we will uh, we will go ahead and power through here on KMOX. Trust me, if you are listening, it is a better experience at the moment because nobody wants to see this. Uh, we've got you till 8 o'clock this evening. As always, if you want to join us, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. You can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y. Why on air, Matt Pajeski? Why are you doing this to me? I'm looking at myself. My hair is so out of control right now. Well, I got to test out the uh, stream yard for Monica Adams tonight. She's going to be on at your service, and she wants to be on Facebook. So I figured, what better time than to test it out right now with Matt Pauly? Yeah, not good. I need a haircut. I was driving to work today. I said, man, I need a haircut. And you're putting this on me. So, uh, yeah, well, uh, again, like I said, we are going to go ahead and power through. We've got a lot coming up on the program this evening. Uh, we're going to talk uh, baseball with uh, Dan Zimborski. Uh, he is going to join us in about 10 minutes. Later on in the hour, uh, Mike Tanier is going to uh, join us as uh, we talk all things football with him. We'll talk football with Mike Mitchell next hour. We'll, we'll hear uh, from uh, Craig Berube, who spoke to the media Earlier today, as the Blues are uh, opening up a quick three-game trip out west, they're going to take on the Arizona Coyotes this evening. I I teased this earlier when we were doing 545 Sports during TIPM with Michael Calhoun. There is something going, and I, I've mentioned it a few times, but there's, a, there's another developing part of the story. Right now, all the regional sports networks that go by Bally Sports. So for us here in St. Louis, Bally Sports Midwest. If you watch Royals games on regional cable, you're watching on Bally Sports Kansas City, whatever it is. There's Bally Sports this, Bally Sports that all over the country. They are in a horrendous financial situation right now from a from a big standpoint, like the entire group. And, and I'm trying to not... Uh, 
this is one of those topics where I'm really interested in it, and I'm very interested kind of in the business of sports and how the business of sports can impact the, the actual playing field of sports, and this does. We're going to spend some time on this later on, probably just a, a little bit after uh, 7 o'clock. I want to get into it because what's going on right now and the news of really the last 24 hours or so could have quite the impact on teams, including teams like the St. Louis Cardinals and probably to a lesser extent the St. Louis Blues as these regional sports networks try to get their finances in order and it might take bankruptcy to get them to that point. So again, this is we're not going to turn into Bloomberg Radio or anything right here, but the the business aspect of sports does it. It's why I talk about name, image, likeness stuff for college sports all the time. The name, image, likeness stuff absolutely, absolutely impacts what's going on on the field. We talked about that Florida quarterback last week who thought they had the uh, the $13 million NIL deal, and then it fell through and left Florida because he didn't get the $13 million, right? Like that's That has an, that has an on-field impact. So uh, we're going to get into that uh, coming up later on. When it comes to the Blues, I, I'm a I'm a pretty positive guy. I, I'm not I'm not overly negative. Uh, I, I like to see I like to think that things can move in, a, in an upward direction. And if you've listened to me throughout this Blues season, even at some of their worst moments, I have sat here and told you they're still in good shape. They're still fine. Everything's going to be okay. I am finally starting to come to a somewhat negative place on the blues. And let me be clear. I hope I'm wrong. I don't want to be right on this. This isn't something that I enjoy saying. Uh, I want to see the blues do well. And I think they've got enough talent on that roster to be a playoff team, but for whatever reason, it's not coming together. And those last two games that they ended up losing the loss against Chicago and the loss against Buffalo. Those were the losses that kind of made me go, okay, this just, this isn't their year. They're not going to be a playoff team. Just they've had too many injuries. They've had too many other things. The roster just has not gelled the way that you wanted it to gel. All those things. And because you look at Chicago, Chicago stinks. They're bad. And they've they've dominated Chicago for years now. Buffalo, they've dominated Buffalo. It was like t- almost 10 years since Buffalo had won a game here in St. Louis, and Buffalo was a back-to-back the other day where they played an overtime game the night before, and Buffalo still ends up winning those games. Like th- Those are games. That That is the dictionary definition of a game, both of those games, that you have to win if you're going to climb out of a non-playoff position and put yourself in playoff position. And they didn't do it. So... Where I'm at right now, I want to be wrong. I want to be able to come back around on this and say I didn't have it right. Uh, they're they're, but I just I don't believe in them right now. This is this is the first time this year that I really just simply have not believed in the Blues, and I hope that they prove me wrong. They take on Arizona tonight. Thomas Grice is going to be in goal. They continue to get a little bit healthier. Robert Bortuzzo being activated off uh, injured reserve. He's not expected to play tonight, but he should be back uh, sooner than later. So that's that's good. That that's good news. What what we kind of expected to happen did happen. You know, they had that moment of the injuries, uh, like a lot of key injuries, and uh, for a while there was kind of a boost, but then it kind of fell back. If if you heard me at the time, I kind of said that that was likely to happen. That happens a lot. You lose some key players, and then all of a sudden. 
Everybody else kind of lifts their game, but it turns out that's not completely uh, sustainable. So we'll see what they do tonight. They play an Arizona team, then they go to Colorado, then they go to Winnipeg. They will not play another home game until February 11th. That's the day before I go to spring training. So if I want to check the Blues out, that would be uh, that'd be the uh, the last. My wife, I still have not gotten my wife to a uh, a Blues game since we moved here six months ago. I've talked about this. She is. She's a hockey fan. She's not a Blues fan. She didn't grow up in the St. Louis area. I'm doing my best to convert her, but uh, this year is not helping with that conversion process. We do have our daughter saying, "Let's go Blues" uh, as often as possible. So I'm I'm proud of uh, I'm proud of being able to do that. All right, uh, we'll uh, talk some baseball here in uh, just a moment. We are going to welcome onto the program uh, Dan Zimborski. After this, uh, he will go through uh, the what happened earlier in the week with the Hall of Fame and just talk some general baseball stuff with uh, with Dan. He joins us. In in just a moment at Sports Open Line on KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is America's Sports Voice. KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue here on KMOX. Matt Pauley back with you. We are efforting right now Dan Zimborski, senior writer for Fangraphs. We'll talk all things baseball with him, including uh, the Scott Rowland uh, decision earlier in the week. He did uh, get selected for induction for the Baseball Hall of Fame. By the way, just a couple blatant plugs uh, here. Yesterday, if you missed our countdown to opening day show, had that from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. We talked a lot about Scott Rowland. We heard uh, some cuts from Scott Rowland. That's always available to be podcast for you. KMOX.com on the Odyssey app as well. You can go to uh, the... um, Cardinals conversations page, and then we're uh, we're starting to drive some more digital only content, and that's going to be on the Cardinals conversations page of uh, for the podcast feed as well. And uh, for example, we do a, a social media conversation each week, right? talk to somebody for 20, 25 minutes, somebody who uh, writes about the Cardinals or podcasts about the Cardinals, just somebody who's a really smart baseball person. We just talk baseball for 20, 25 minutes. So if you're looking for more Cardinals content, you can find that, again, on the Odyssey app or go to KMOX.com, and uh, you can uh, find that for yourself. So uh, that is uh, that is what's available to you. Again, Dan, we hope to get uh, Dan Zimborski on here in the next moment or so. A couple uh, notes from the uh, baseball world today. I found this interesting. The Houston Astros uh, finally have a general manager, and it's Dana Brown. He is uh, somebody who has been most recently serving as the vice president of scouting for the Atlanta Braves. And obviously you look at what 
the Braves have done from a player development standpoint, and they have been as good as any major league organization out there. So he comes into that general manager spot for the Houston Astros. There continues to be some question about whether or not he is going to end up being the final baseball decision maker in Houston. He is their general manager, but there is always the possibility they could add a president of baseball operations, which that's kind of, that's the convoluted thing in the world of sports right now. Like we keep adding levels. We keep adding levels of management. It used to be if you were a general manager of a team, you were the final decision maker. Well, that's not the case. For example, you know, the Cardinals, John Mosaylock is the president of baseball operations. He is the final decision maker. But Michael Gersh is the team's general manager. We had Gersh, by the way, on countdown opening day yesterday. That was sidebar, quick sidebar. That was the first time I'd ever really had a, any type of long conversation with Michael Gersh. I really enjoyed our conversation yesterday. If you haven't heard it, again, go back to the uh, Cardinals Conversations podcast feed. But that was uh, I really enjoyed being able to talk to him. He was a really interesting guy. So um, that, that was fun. But again, going back to what I'm saying here, there is a possibility that while the Astros do now have a general manager, at some point in time, they could bring in somebody to serve as the president of baseball operations. And a name that continues to be rumored there is somebody that Cardinals fans are familiar with because of it being in the NL Central, is now former Brewers president of baseball operations, David Stearns, who obviously did a really solid job with Milwaukee. He moved out of that role. He's still under contract with the Brewers. He is serving as a consultant, uh, but the belief is that he is going to leave for another baseball decision-making job at some point in time. And uh, he is somebody that does have ties to uh, the to Houston. He had been with the Astros uh, previously uh, in his career. So maybe that's something that's going to happen. Maybe Dana Brown ends up being the guy who is going to be the guy in Houston. And um, that would that would be good. There's another side of this. Like I am somebody – I think – I think we have a problem in sports in terms of giving minorities opportunities. And so anytime a minority does get an opportunity, I do feel like it's a good step forward. I'm somebody that wants people to get their jobs because they have earned their jobs and they deserve their jobs. And I don't care what they look like or anything like that. And you just look at some of the numbers and you say, okay, there are people out there that are qualified for jobs and they're not getting these jobs for one reason or another. So Brown is the only black general manager in baseball and he is one of two uh, individuals who is atop a baseball operations structure who uh, is uh, who's black, the other being uh, White Sox president Kenny Williams. So that's, that's good for baseball, I think. You know, to go to another place, and I wasn't really planning on talking about this too much today, but we're having the conversation when it comes to NFL coaching hires and uh, people of color as Frank Reich is the new head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And a guy who had been in charge of the Panthers after they, they fired Matt Rule was Steve Wilkes. And the Panthers played themselves into postseason contention under Wilkes, and now it feels like uh, there there were some comments made by Wilkes' uh, lawyer and, and agent uh, kind of accusing the Carolina Panthers of making some decisions based off skin color. So, I mean, there's a lot going on, and I'm not giving this topic anywhere near the justice that it deserves right now, but the bottom line is 
baseball does have work to do when it comes to being more inclusive. And I think that comes from a front office standpoint, but it also comes from a player standpoint. I've said this over and over. One of the problems when we talk about this is things that are being done now. You won't see the fruit of those labors for maybe 20 years. You know, you think about the lack of black players playing Major League Baseball today. That starts when kids aren't playing baseball. When, whether it's urban, you know, kids who live in an urban area or whatever it might be, when those kids are choosing sports that are not baseball, that's where it starts. And we are seeing right now less and less kids uh, from urban environments playing baseball. And I think for one thing, a sport like basketball, a sport like football, comes across as being a little bit cooler. Uh, The other side of it is how expensive it is to play baseball as a youth. The, the The price tag on playing baseball, if you're playing travel ball, if you're going to these tournaments on the weekends, if you are doing all of those things, it is so incredibly expensive. And... I think Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball teams are doing something, are doing a nice job in terms of trying to open that up a little bit more for kids. Uh, you look at what the Cardinals do and with Cardinals care and the fact that they do continue to to open up ballparks and continue to provide resources to, to inner city kids for, to be able to open up the baseball door. That's a really important thing. But when we're sitting here talking about kids who are 8, 9, 10 years old, whatever age they may be, you're not going to see the fruits of those labors for a really long time. And that's in St. Louis. That's what's going to happen in other cities. Is every Major League Baseball team doing the same sort of thing? And what about the areas of our country that are not really served by Major League Baseball teams? So there's there's a lot that goes into it. And all I'm all I want to do is I I just want to see a world where people have opportunities based off what they have achieved, uh, what their talent levels are, and I want to see as somebody who loves baseball, I want to see the best athletes in the world playing baseball. And I don't know if in this country particularly uh, we are in that spot right now. So uh, we are going to continue to effort uh, Dan Zimborski. Uh, we'll see whether or not we can get If we can't get him today, uh, we'll get him at some point in the relatively near future. Uh, senior writer for uh, Fangraphs. We wanted to get his t- take on uh, Scott Rowland getting in. I, I've been, I, I wanted to say surprised. Yeah, surprised by the amount of negative pushback on Scott Rowland being a Hall of Famer. And I just, I don't get it. And we have completely devalued the impact of elite third base defense when we are evaluating players. And I don't completely understand why. I get that it's not shortstop. I get that it's not catcher. But it is um, it is still a very impactful defensive position and if you're Scott Rowland and you're a top three to five defensive third baseman of all time, if you are number five third baseman of all time in terms of war, and then you have a, a, a top 10, top 12 offensive profile of all time at third base, you should be a shoo-in. You should be an absolute shoo-in. 
There is no reason there should be this debate. There's no reason there should be this argument. But there have been a lot of people, a lot of people, especially on social media, that have uh, pushed back in the other direction. The old hall of fairy, fairy good is what people say. And I'm sorry, if you are a... If you're arguably a top three defensive player at your position, especially if it's not first base or corner outfield, that's not Hall of Fairy good. That's Hall of Fame. So uh, looking forward to being able to talk with uh, Dan Zimborski about that at some point uh, in the relatively near future. When we come back, though, uh, we are going to be joined by Mike Tanier. He is from Football Outsiders, and uh, I love the way they look at the game of football. It's a little bit different, and uh, we'll get his take on uh, the AFC and NFC Championship games. That'll be coming up this weekend. This is Sports Open Line. My name's Matt Pauley. We're back with more in just a moment right here on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam. This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Kansas City. KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauly. Thanks so much for uh, being with us uh, this evening. We're very happy to uh, welcome on to the program. He is a senior writer with Fangraphs. He is Dan Zimborski. You follow him on Twitter at D-S-Z-Y-M-B-O-R-S-K-I. Dan, when you do radio interviews, what percentage of hosts spell out your Twitter handle as opposed to try to just uh, say it? Usually most of them. It's unnecessary because Google will tend to figure it out. When I type quickly, I misspell my own name. It's a lot of letters that don't seem to be in any logical order. That's, uh, that's, that's fair enough. Uh, what was your reaction when you found out earlier this week that Scott Rowland was a Hall of Famer? I was pretty stoked because I've been a Rowland partisan, let's just say, since he, he first won the ballot. I think he's essentially Brooks Robinson with a better bat and worse health and durability. Uh, and that, of course, is a Hall of Famer. I'm from Baltimore. I'm certainly not casting shade on or throwing shade at, uh, at Brooks or anything. Uh, Roland's a terrific player. I was so bummed when Jim Edmonds was one and out. Mm-hmm. I thought it was absurd. He's somewhere between the 10th and 15th best center fielder. Depending on how you look at it, along with Kenny Lofton. Uh, I don't know. I was just so worried about getting him into the hall, at least. But Roland's in the hall, so I'm super stoked. Yeah, okay, so I've been... I've been saying this over and over about Edmonds. Andrew Jones is on 58% of the ballots, and Jim Edmonds doesn't make it through one ballot. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, but I don't want to keep rolling out just because Edmonds kind of got the the raw end of the stick. I hope that someday the vet committee is kind of reshuffled so we can seriously talk about some of these guys, about Jim Edmonds, about Kenny Lofton. Uh, when was the last time they really considered Lou Whitaker? He mm-hmm. just seems to be a cursory thing. Bobby Grich. There's so many guys out there, especially in the mid point of the defensive spectrum. They just kind of get just ignored and thrown out quickly. We're in a really weird spot right now when it comes to evaluating players. I've, 
I think there's kind of three groups of people of the baseball writers who are voting. You've got some old school folks who evaluate baseball in an old school way. You have some of the younger and newer writers who are using a lot more data and looking at things through that perspective. And then you've got another group of writers who are kind of more self-serving and self-righteous and are putting themselves in front of the process and are trying to make some sort of moral stand. And all of a sudden you get those three groups. I don't know if you would agree with that or not, but it turns into a a spot where it's it's hard to get anybody on 75% of the ballots. Yeah, it's, there's a log jam, and the fact is the Hall of Fame did not deal with the whole steroid era thing very well because there wasn't much guidance from the Hall of Fame about just what they meant by some of the rules. Uh, if there was more clarity on what the the character clause meant, was it an on-the-field clause as it seemed to be in the early years? Is it an off-the-field clause? Uh, based, the, the Hall's guidance, except for one sectimonious letter from Joe Morgan, it was kind of lacking. Uh, you, you you have some carryover from those categories. Uh, when I think it was Derek Gould, uh, when he was the head of the Baseball Writers Association, we we all asked the Hall of Fame, say we you know you were you reduced the number of years of players on the ballot from fifteen to ten. Uh, we have a huge logjam. We need kind of that limit raised because. Everyone's just trying to get through the door at the same time, and then you know worthy people are falling short. And the Hall of Fame said no; uh, they did not. They were not interested in that at all. So there is kind of a mess uh, with some of the steroid era guys off Bonds and Clemens. Whether or not you think they should be in the Hall, they're off the ballot now, and they're not taking up spots. So hopefully, we could kind of get a little more normalcy in the next few years. Uh, that that Rowan got in, that Helton's probably getting in next year. Uh, is probably a good sign, uh, but we'll see. Uh, I don't get my vote for three more years, so hopefully it's a little cleaner then. Do you find it odd that some let's like let's forget about Scott Rollins ten percent on the first year? I I can I may not agree with it, but I can understand the voters who say you have to be a really special player to get a vote on first year if you want to make the whole you know first first you know a single time eligible player uh, in. Like okay, well I'll I'll just buy that for a second. But the idea that even from the second year through the sixth year, you can still be at a pretty low number that Roland was and eventually grow forward. And it's not like a ton of guys got in the Hall of Fame during that time to like lift, you know, open up that ballot at all. Like, did you find that to be odd the way that whole process plays out? Yeah, it, it, it is really strange. And it's kind of been a strange thing that's going back to the start of the voting because you have very weird things like uh, Jimmy Fox. Uh, they actually still voted on him while he was playing, but in his first real vote in 1947, he was only on 6% of the ballots. Uh, and it took him real, literally to, to his, his fifth real year just to get Jimmy Fox in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Eddie Matthews did not go in in his first ballot. Whitey Ford did not go into the first ballot. Uh, it, it seems like this kind of weird seniority when he's like, just, just put everybody in who deserves to be in. Why make people wait? Uh, because, you know, Sometimes bad things happen when people wait. I, I'm, I've always been extremely annoyed that Ron Santo, who is finally honored by the Hall of Fame, was not inducted until after he was no longer around to enjoy it. Uh, and I think that, that kind of stinks. You want every player who goes into the Hall to get their moment at Cooperstown. So if the player's the Hall of Famer, just vote him in. The Hall should let people vote whoever in that, we, that, that is deserving. Just all this red tape, mm-hmm. just to try to get people an honor. Yeah, I look. I'm a um, 
I'm a I'm a put more people in kind of guy, and I'm not trying to water down the talent level of the players who go into Hall of Fame. But at the same time, I love the game of baseball so much. And I think it's good for the game of baseball when we get to have these great weekends in Cooperstown and we get to celebrate uh, the history of the game and celebrate players. And when we don't have anybody get in, it's just kind of sad to me because it's another chance to celebrate the game and, and we're not doing that. And I guess it's not technically the the job of the baseball writers to be the ones to promote the game. But at the same time, we're kind of all in this together, those of us who work in this game. And I think there is some responsibility to continue to grow it, and that includes being able to celebrate in, in moments like these. Yeah, I mean, the fact is no one or very few people cover baseball seriously for a long time and don't love baseball. It would be kind of weird to do that just like – I, I want to be a stock writer, but I'm just going to write about baseball for a decade. It, it, that kind of thing is, I, I believe, to be highly unusual. Uh, I, I don't see why we would want to get these player awards. And the the stuff about watering it down, it, it doesn't make that much sense. I, I charted this a couple of days ago, that if you went back uh, and you look at like the 20s and 30s, or really throughout history, but in the late 20s, early 30s, uh, there are some years where 20 to 25 percent of, of plate appearances by position players are Hall of Famers, uh, Hall of Fame position players. Uh, and when you look in later years, it's down to 15% in the 50s and 60s and down to 10. And in the last 25 years, it's down to five. Obviously, a lot of these guys haven't gotten in yet, but we already have a, the, the Hall of Fame has long been watered down. You know, Freddie Lindstrom and everyone that Frankie Frisch played with ever uh, worrying about Scott Rowland watering things down is kind of silly because he really does it. He's really meets the standard statistically for a hall of fame third baseman. The graph you put was great. I actually, I, I sent your graph to somebody who I was debating with on Twitter and I, I wish it would have gotten a little bit more attention because I really thought it was an interesting kind of a graphic representation of just how few recent players have really gotten into the hall of fame. Yeah, and I I don't think it's good for baseball to for because baseball's history is one of its strengths, but I think it's sometimes its weakness when it comes to things like bringing in new fans. People want to see the players that they grew up watching and honored. Uh, they don't want to keep seeing about how the the players that they grew up watching aren't worthy of all these players that were around in the 30s and 40s and 50s. It makes it seem a very, very old person's game. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it, it, it prevents baseball from bringing in a new young audience that can watch baseball, enjoy it, and, and, and spend money on it for 50, 60, 70 years or however how long. And I think it's bad for the game long term to have this kind of log jam. Uh, now, of course, we've all been arguing about this for decades. Uh, Bill James's uh, Politics of Glory talks about this a lot, and a lot of the same problems were there when he was talking about this in the 80s and 90s. So I don't know if there's an easy answer to it, but I wish baseball just kind of took it a little more seriously. Dan Zimborski continuing to uh, join us. Before we get you out of here, I'm, I'm curious what some of the projections are saying about the Cardinals because when I assess the Cardinals from a position player standpoint, I think there's four guys who have a track record. 
Paul Goldschmidt, Tommy Edmond, Nolan Arenado, and Wilson Contreras. And there is not a single other position player on the roster that has that year-over-year track record where you can kind of expect what they're going to be this year. So then when you take that and, and put it into projections and, and use the different data points that, that, that folks like you use to, to try to project things, how does, what, what, is that, what do your numbers say the Cardinals are going to be? Well, Zips, uh, the projection system that I run for anyone who is, is familiar with that kind yeah. of thing, Zips really likes the Cardinals uh, for 2023. I actually commented I wasn't sure I liked them as much because Zips actually put them up you know, with the Dodgers, Padres, and Mets and Braves. I didn't know if I was quite that excited. It still feels like a team to me that needs kind of like one ace picture to be fully complete. Uh, but some of the variability around offensive players isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I mean, you, you talk about Arenado and Goldschmidt and Edmund being kind of done deals, but they are really, really good done <laughs> deals. Uh, you have two guys who were both legitimate MVP candidates. Uh, one, of course, who won the MVP. You have Tommy Edmund, who pretty much defensed his way to be a star-level uh, shortstop. And you have, you know, Brendan Donovan, who did a lot of damage in the rookie of the year. I know I had him third. Uh, and when you talk about guys like Lars Newtbar, Dylan Carlson, Nolan Gorman, that it's uncertain isn't really a bad thing because uncertainty can also be very good. Uh, yeah, Gorman has a chance of, of just not working out. But Nolan Gorman also has a good chance of, of exceeding expectations tremendously, of becoming that power hitter. Maybe he finally finds a defensive position, but I don't want to go that far yet. Uh, but there's a lot to like about this team. I think that they're... They're not overwhelming favorites in the in the NL Central. Uh, the Brewers still are dangerous if their rotation is healthy and they score enough runs. But I do think that they're pretty clearly the best team in the NL Central, even if it doesn't work out a million times out of a million times. Uh, so I would generally be happy with where the organization is right now if I was rooting for the Cardinals. I am in no way, shape, or form trying to embarrass you, but may I read your last tweet that you just sent out a little bit ago? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dan tweeted out, Well, I just had the most embarrassing moment in my radio career. I called the wrong radio station on my Rolodex. They were confused, and I was confused, and they thought I was a caller, I think. Did anyone in St. Louis radio somewhere hear a very confused person named Dan? So did did you actually get on the air on another station moments ago? I I think so. I thought I was calling in to you guys because I was having some technical difficulties, and I called the 314 number that was on my list, uh, and I I seem to have called the wrong one. They seemed to have assumed I was a caller, and they put me through, and they asked me what I want to talk about. And that's unusual for a guest to be driving the conversations. Like, I, I don't know. So I actually talked about Scott Rowland for a few minutes, uh, and they hurried me off after that. So <laughs> I, it was a very awkward appearance for someone who does a lot of these. <laughs> that's, okay, our text line here. where for- it was. Yeah, for people listening, our text line, 314-436-7900. If you just heard Dan on another radio station in St. Louis, you can text me, and I'm very curious what station it was. And, Dan, if I if I find out for sure, I will let you know. Thank you. I'm yeah. hoping someone on Twitter heard that because I was completely confused. Uh, it's a fun story, though, and I'm glad we're able to finish off with that. Dan, always love talking to you. Thank you for taking the time, and uh, we'll do this again soon, and hopefully uh, we'll have your St. Louis exclusivity that night. 
always fun. Thanks for having me. You bet. There's uh, Dan uh, Zimborski joining us. Again, if you just heard him somewhere else, text me. 314-436-7900, and we will uh, figure out what ra- what other radio station he actually called. That's funny. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Sports Open Line rolls on here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for uh, being tuned in. So, This has been a developing story for a while, and I think this is a really, really important story that's going on in the sports industry. And this is not just about where you watch games. It's about the impact that TV money has on teams as they go out and spend money. I'm going to try not to go to Wall Street Journal on you here, but Sinclair Broadcast Group bought the regional sports networks that are known as the Bally Sports TV Network. So Bally Sports Midwest being one of them. Uh, they bought them in, when when Fox was doing a, a massive, uh, they, they sold off a lot of assets a few years back, and that was one of the assets that they ended up selling. And uh, Sinclair Broadcast Group, which is largely a, a broadcast group that owns and operates local TV stations, and they do some other things as well, uh, they bought these RSNs at a really high price. Now, when I, and when I say RSN, I'm saying regional sports network. The problem with the price that they paid is the moment that they bought them, the value of these networks started to drop. And the reason the value of these networks started to drop is because less and less people are seeing them. There's more people cord cutting. There's more disagreements between networks and carriers where these networks are not being uh, are not being carried by certain groups. And if you don't have people watching, if you don't have people seeing the commercials, all that sort of stuff, the networks don't have the value. I am not overstating things when I say that the the Sinclair purchase of these RSNs, is going to end up being maybe one of the biggest media ownership mistakes in the history of media in the United States. Uh, Bloomberg did report that what's going to happen is, so Diamond Sports Group is technically the the group that owns this. That's a subsidiary of, of, of Sinclair. Um, Diamond is going to, in all likelihood, skip a February interest-only payment servicing over uh, $8.5 billion in in debt. That was going to be a $140 million interest-only payment. Interest-only. So no principal being being knocked down as they get ready for bankruptcy. Here's where this can impact teams. These networks pay the rights fees to teams. So the St. Louis Cardinals get a check written from this group for having games. And that check might not be coming. Now, at one point it sounded like Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NHL were considering coming together and kind of going shoulder to shoulder and buying out uh, these RSNs and becoming the sole owners of all these RSNs. Then they did some... Uh, a few months back, there were some projections that came out and some, especially when it came to debt and 
supposedly Major League Baseball stepped back off that. Now what I'm reading is that in the bankruptcy agreement that they may be going towards, which could literally happen at any moment, that they might service down the debt by taking the people that they owe money to and essentially giving them the company. So if if what you owe these St. Louis Cardinals, like, and this is a really dumbed-down, simplified version of it, and it doesn't work this way, but I'm saying it just to simplify it. If, if what you owe the St. Louis Cardinals is 7% of your debt load, then you can make up for that by giving them 7% of the company. And it doesn't work exactly like that, but you kind of understand where I'm, where I'm going with it. This is so the money that teams bring in from their local cable deals, especially for smaller market teams, it's really, really, and you know what, for bigger market teams too, I shouldn't say especially for smaller market teams. For bigger market teams, it's more money. For smaller market teams, it can be a larger percentage of the overall uh, money that they're bringing in. It's important everywhere. And this money is potentially not coming in. And I, I, I don't keep bringing this up to scare you, and I don't think this is going to happen in St. Louis, but as cord cutting continues to move forward, at some point in time, there's going to be more and more games that end up going to streaming. You know, MLB already has the infrastructure in place to just stream games because of what they do uh, with the uh, with, with their streaming package, obviously. And they could basically move to that right away. It's it's probably not going to happen, but I mean, there's a there could there is a scenario out there where these RSNs file for bankruptcy and they just kind of stop existing before the season even starts. Minute chance that that ends up happening, but again, the news yesterday was the fact that they are getting ready for bankruptcy, and that's going to change. That's going to change the game. And if you don't think this is a serious deal. Major League Baseball just hired somebody, a former TV executive, for the for the Major League Baseball offices that's going to oversee what's going on in terms of local cable deals. And th- that's how important this is to them. There is somebody now working in Major League Baseball that this is their only job to try to figure out how to navigate this current situation when it comes to uh, local TV deals. So stay tuned. I'm sure we're going to talk about this more over the next couple weeks, but this is kind of the latest step, the latest domino in all this being pushed forward. And this does have an impact on teams because teams do rely on that local cable money so much. All right, uh, coming up next hour. Uh, We're going to hear from uh, Mike Tanier from uh, Football Outsiders. We're going to hear from another Mike, Mike Mitchell. We're going to go back-to-back football interviews, and we'll also talk some St. Louis Blues hockey. We've got a lot to do during the 7 o'clock hour. As always, if you want to chime in, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. My name is Matt Pauley. This is Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.